Hi everyone and welcome to the Catpick Studios Guitar Podcast. You're listening to the Master the Basics series where music industry professionals teach us the basics of various skills you need to be successful at your music and help you on your musical journey. In this episode, my guest RJ Ronquillo is going to talk about how he prepares for a gig. RJ has taught and performed with such acts as Stevie Wonder, Ricky Martin, Stone Sour and many others, so there's a lot we can learn from him. By the way, this and every other episode is also available as a video podcast on the Catpick Studios YouTube channel. Please note that this particular episode wasn't originally designed to be a podcast, so there may be few visual things in the episode that we referred to. But now, to master the basics and RJ Ronquilio. Well, hello there, Vlad here. Welcome to my studio and welcome to the first episode of Master of the Basics, a video series where we have a master of certain skill, craft, however you want to call it, teach us the basics. Simple as that, really. And I have a very special guest today, RJ Ronquillo. That's how you pronounce it, right? Perfect, Vlad. You got it. Got it from the first time. This is a good start. Uh, RJ is going to talk about how to prepare for a gig and I really couldn't have had a better guest to do that because he's played with some really amazing artists. Uh, I just checked your website, Stevie Wonder, Ricky Martin. Yeah. Uh, Stone Sour, that's quite a kind of repertoire, quite- like really different style. Yeah, it's quite a range <laughs> of uh, different artists. That's cool. That's cool. So, uh, um, yeah, as I said, couldn't have had a better guest to start the series of. Uh, let's dive in to the first question right away. So, how do you go about learning the songs? And I guess we're talking from my perspective, in the sense that I mostly do like one of gigs somewhere. I we get a set list, uh, we rehearse once, twice, uh, maybe few more times and then it's the show time so mm-hmm. how would you prepare prepare for a gig like that that's that's actually a good way to prepare for a gig i never thought about that i i mean with any gig obviously there's a range of different levels of gigs you could be mm. playing with a bar band you could be playing with a touring band but if you approach it like the way you approach it as if you only have one rehearsal mm or a sound check to get everything right. You have to be that prepared, I think. That's extremely important. Mm. Um, as far as, in general, when I prepare for gigs, whether it's like a small gig or a big gig, um, what I normally do is I'll listen to the material first before I even pick up a guitar. Mm. So what I like to do is I, I like to get the music in really in my brain. So I'll, I know the arrangements, I know where the verses are, the, the choruses, the bridges, all that stuff. Before mm. I even try to learn the actual chords, I want to yep. know how the song goes. Yep. Uh, and from there, like I'll spend maybe a day or two just listening. Mm. Uh, and then I'll sit down with a guitar and just kind of learn the basic stuff. Um, I guess it depends also if you're, if, there, if you're playing with another guitar player, you kind of have mm. to choose which parts you mm. guys are going to play individually yep which you can kind of you know coordinate with the other guitar player mm. but sometimes sometimes it's better to learn everything and then when you get to rehearsal 
kind of divvy it up. Like, say, you play this part, you pl I'll play this part and everything. Mm. So sometimes I'll try to learn as many parts of the guitar, of, mm. of the guitar parts in a song as possible, just so I'm prepared that way. Yep. Um, and I, you know, I, I do write down a cheat sheet. Mm. I won't go on like a full out chart with notation necessarily. Mm. But here in Nashville, we have a thing called the Nashville number system. I'm yeah. not sure if you're familiar with that or uh, if, yeah, yeah, or if anyone am. out there is. But yeah. basically, instead of Roman numerals, you know, like mm. uh, that we normally use for uh, like in jazz theory or whatever, mm. it's basically just regular Arabic numerals. So one, two, three, four, five. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And the way that it's designed, it's kind of designed in a way that uh, you write the, the chart out with the numbers so if you get to the rehearsal or the gig and they want to change the key it's ah, pretty easy yeah, to yeah. transpose makes a lot of sense so that works for the majority of pop popular music whether mm. it's rock or country r&b stuff like that um and there's a bunch of videos on youtube about it i kind of did i kind of touched it touched on a on that stuff in a video i did mm. uh, a couple years ago but if it's a if it's a gig where it's really riff based, so like for mm. it, for instance the Stone Sour gig, I had to learn gosh twenty some odd songs in a week, uh, <laughs> wow. and all of those songs I couldn't write out Nashville numbers for. It's just impossible. So yeah, um, I mean I, I I went to Ultimate Guitar and looked at tabs first. <laughs> it's hilarious how, how I didn't expect it works. that, but yeah, I guess it makes sense. I literally did what anyone what any other kid would do not that i'm saying i'm a kid but i went on youtube <laughs> tried to find out if there were lesson videos on some of these songs mm. um and learned as much as i could um and with that i didn't really write down the riffs actually no so i do this weird thing where i kind of write out tab mm. but it's not on lines it's just kind of like for me my mental yeah head, you know, I'll write like zero three five or oh, something yeah. I, if I'm playing. I, I've done that actually, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, just as a reminder. Yeah, um, <laughs> and and I, tr you know, with that gig, I had to memorize everything. It wasn't a, sure. a gig where I could actually have a chart or a cheat mm. sheet in front of me. That was one thing that was hard about that gig was the memorization is is difficult. Mm. When I do certain gigs here in Nashville where I can have a chart. I'll write the chart out and then that's it. I won't like practice it. I'll just show mm. up to the gig. As long as I have a chart, I can get through the gig fine. But yeah. memorizing is like a whole nother couple days of work. And <laughs> wow, yeah. The way I do it is just kind of play it over and over and over again. That's mm. really the only way uh, I can memorize things is just repetitiveness. Mm. But. Um, you know, having a little cheat sheets, little cheat number things just to remember parts helps. Mm -hmm. And eventually, if you run the set over and over again, then you'll rem you'll remember it. Mm. Yeah, but that's that, pretty much the process yeah. I, I do. Um, uh, when I go to gigs where I can take a chart, I'll usually either have it on paper or I'll use my iPad. There's a couple mm. apps that I use. Um that I, are escaping me right now. <laughs> but there's one that's specifically for 
Nashville number system. Mm. Um, and sometimes I'll make my own PDFs where I'll have Nashville numbers and then I'll cut out a little bit of tab stuff that I wrote out for like <laughs> signature licks or intros and yeah. outros and I'll stick them in the PDF. So it's, it's a little bit overly organized compared to my mm. colleagues that just have like scratch paper yeah. that they bring to the gig. But, um, you know, whether you're writing a chart or you're mm. trying to memorize it, it's just a matter of time and work and repetition. Mm. Yeah. Well, I guess my next question was that, like, do you memorize everything or is it okay to use a cheat sheet? But I mean, I guess it depends on the gig. If you're playing in a rock band, like having yeah. <laughs> charts isn't really an option, I guess. Yeah, it really depends. For me, as an as someone that's watching a band, mm. it, I get cringy when I see someone reading a chart on stage. <laughs> <laughs> but you know yeah, i understand yeah. that's that's the only yeah. way to get through the gig especially if you know a lot of people here in nashville are so busy that mm. they don't have time to memorize a whole set yeah so f from <laughs> a, a visual perspective it's probably better to not use charts mm. or at least look like you're not using charts yeah but um sometimes you know it's a job you can't get away from it mm. um if you can memorize it that's awesome but it's it's okay to use charts on certain types mm. of gigs. Like if uh, if you're a house band, like I'm doing a gig in a couple or next month, where I have to learn probably like 25 songs, um, and I always use a, a an iPad for that just mm. because that's just the nature of the gig. Mm. Um, but you know when you're performing, I always say try not to have your head buried in your chart. You know mm. at least look up now and then and smile and yeah. <laughs> pretend you're having a good time. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you've learned the songs, roughly at least. Uh, what are you packing with you besides like the obvious? We're talking about guitar players here. So guitars, amps, pedals, whatever like gearwise yeah. you have. What else are you packing besides that? Um, so... Well, if I'm if I'm using my charts, I'll bring the iPad and then I'll bring one of those iPad holders that you attach to a mic mm -hmm. stand. Yeah, makes just sense. Because that's it, it looks better than having an actual music stand. Mm, true. Um, and sometimes I'll actually bring a a copy, a paper copy, just in ah. case you know my iPad goes down or uh, it, you know it disappears sometime between <laughs> soundcheck and the gig or whatever. Um, yeah. So I'll always have like. I forgot to mention that when I do write out charts, I will mm. write them out on paper first and then put them on the iPad. So ah. I won't go directly to the iPad. So I'll always have two copies. Yeah. Do you feel it also um, helps you to memorize them better by writing down? I know some people. Yeah. Some people yeah. have that. They like when they write stuff down, then they actually re remember it. Yeah, it does help because you're actually writing out the arrangement. Yeah. So it does help you know the arrangement and kind of give you a head start on practicing that aspect yeah for sure yeah. um other than that a pencil <laughs> in case you got to change something because yeah. that's happened a lot of times where like the artist changes the arrangement at soundcheck mm. so we have to like yeah add certain things sure. um what else have I snack <laughs> <laughs> i'm kind of like you know granola or nuts or something yeah. To snack on because sometimes rehearsals or sound checks can get long and yeah um a lot of gigs uh, are uh, are about 
our hurry up and wait mm. game. So there's a lot of downtime that I've noticed where yep. you show up mega early to do a sound check or, or a rehearsal, and then you've got a couple hours between there and the mm. gig. So bring a book, bring some snacks, <laughs> and uh, and your smartphone to play video games on, I guess. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, do you bring like backups for everything? Guitars, amps, pedals? Uh... Well, I, okay, so yeah. a good question. Yeah. I don't bring any backups for pedals. Okay, yeah, um, I get, it. I get on that. On a typical gig, I'm, I'll bring an extra quarter-inch cable mm. for sure. Smart. Just in case someone else in the band might need one as well. Mm. <laughs> um, and for amps, I don't bring a backup amp unless I'm on a, a big production tour. Sure. For sure, you need a backup amp because that's kind of a more high profile thing and if if any of your equipment goes down mm. whether it's during a performance or while on the road then you could be screwed so it's always good to have at least a backup amp yep um and for guitars i kind of it really depends if i can if i have enough energy myself to bring multiple guitars i will <laughs> um but i have some hacks that I do if I only <laughs> want to bring one guitar. And I've done like entire week tours with just one guitar. Mm. Uh, and the reason for that is on all of my touring guitars and most of my gigging guitars, I always put Graftech saddles in the bridge. Mm. And in the, gosh, probably in the past 18 years, I've never broken a string. So, That's and it's not, a, it's not an ad for Graftech. But um, they really do work. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. I've been confident enough to, mm. to only bring one guitar on the road. Wow. And I'm totally confident that I'm not going to break a string. Interesting. Um, yeah. But, and also, so there's a couple of times um, where I've had to bring, you know, where it would have been beneficial for me to have a, a guitar tuned in E standard, a guitar mm. tuned in E flat, and then a baritone guitar. Mm. But there's one product that I use all the time here, and it's the Digitech drop pedal. Yeah. Which I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a whammy pedal, but it only drops uh, the pitch. It's um, fantastic. By, yeah, it only drops it down by increments, and I've I've used that for all of those reasons. Like mm. I can go down a half step, and it still plays great. It still tracks great, mm. and I've also go gone down to B and used my regular guitar as a baritone on certain <laughs> That's cool. So that's a good product to have if you only want to bring one guitar for something you'll need multiple tunings for. It's great. Interesting. Yeah, the, I, I'm afraid the drop has been discontinued unless I'm wrong. I think I talk about this with uh, Josh Allen from Guitar Pro uh -huh. Demos uh, while we were at Union Ketner, we were trying that pedal out and I think I'm afraid it might be discontinued, which is a Oh shame. my gosh. Well, I'm I glad I have wrong, one. But I think that was the case. That's a gig saver. Seen it. Like, that, that thing is cool. Yeah. And the, and the great thing is it works good. Like, mm. I'm, I'm always, I was, uh, I'm kind of a purist. So I'm always kind of reluctant to try digital things sure. that are, you know, pitch shifting things. And uh, I was very impressed and surprised at how well it tracked. Mm. Um, like almost no latency and um it sounded great and mm. i've used it you know on tours i've used it uh 
live and, and totally confident the way it works. Yeah. Okay, so you've prepared for the gig, both kind of charts-wise, you got your gear. Something that uh, I feel a lot of, especially like beginning musicians, don't think about is what happens and what you should prepare for when you arrive to the place. Like, yeah. what happens there? So, I guess my question is like, what should you prepare, what you should be prepared to do when you actually arrive there? Obviously, you take your own gear, but I'm yeah. guessing there's other stuff happening as well. So, so in situations where I'm loading my gear in myself and it's at mm. a club or a you know wedding gig, mm. a lot of times I'll first leave my gear in the car and walk up to find out where we're where the stage is where we're playing. Mm. Um, because a lot of times I'll have to cart in an amp or something, and I want to get you know make sure if there's an elevator or whatever. Mm. So a lot of times I'll just walk up with my gig bag maybe just to mm. say, hey, I'm a musician here uh, <laughs> and, and find out where I'm supposed to go, talk yeah. to managers or, uh, or people that are running the event, making mm. sure, you know, this is the stage setup. You know, you can load in through here and this way. Um, it's def I definitely don't just get out with all my gear and, and roam around and trying to <laughs> find out where I'm going. That's just a, a waste of energy to me. Yeah. So I'll always walk up with as little as possible so I know exactly where I'm going. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, I, I use a cart and put my amp and my pedal board on there and whatever mm. other uh, guitar stands or, or um, other guitars. Mm. Uh, and roll it up and just kind of, um, you know, make sure it's okay to set up at that time. Mm. Um, and make sure once you're set up, it's okay to make noise. Because a lot yeah. of times there's you can't make noise until a certain time or you can't do a sound mm. check. So just plug in. And I guess the, uh, the, the, the thing to do is to just not get your stuff set up and start noodling. That's always kind of like an amateur <laughs> move. Yeah. You know, wait yeah. till... Wait till you know it's okay to make sounds yeah. and just kind of do as little as possible to make sure your sound is 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 on on par and how you want it. Because, mm. uh, you know, I have friends and I'm not going to call them out, but they'll show up to a sound check or a gig and like basically play a concert for us. And just like, come on, yeah. man, you know, yeah. your gear sounds fine. You don't have to practice and everything. Mm. So if you're going to like... <laughs> practice or warm up turn your volume off just kind of noodle around but yep. don't have your amp on makes a lot of sense um but yeah that's that's how that's kind of how i how <laughs> i get the gig started yeah yeah I guess, I guess the main rule is like be polite to other people and like don't just set up your own stuff and start, start blasting it at full volume yeah yeah that's the worst <laughs> <laughs> I've witnessed that a couple of times in my life. As yeah, well. that's very common, especially yeah. with guitar players too. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Um, so how do you usually try to position yourself on the stage? Let's say it's a fairly traditional band, like maybe two guitar players, bass player, drummer, singer, maybe a keyboard, something like that. Mm -hmm. How do you usually try to position yourself on the stage? Like physically position myself on yeah, stage? Yeah. Well, I guess it's, I mean, it's sometimes it's not even up to me. Sometimes it's sure. up to the artist or mm. the production, like where I'm supposed to be. Sure. Um, it really, 
Kind of, I, I guess it depends on your monitoring situation. Mm. Obviously, if you have in-ear monitors and you have a great mix, you can mm. be anywhere on stage. Yeah. Um, but if it's a situation where you don't have monitors and you're kind of relying on everybody's amp or you know just the sound from the drums, I like to be as close to the drums as possible, probably. Oh, interesting. Like I like, I mean, I like to be close to the drums and the bass. Like I need to hear them mm. more than. If there was another guitar player, yep, um, because they're kind of, you know, they're the heart of the of the of the band. Mm. So, um, if I'm relying on just the sound from their amp and the, the the kick drum or whatever, then I need to be close enough to hear them. Makes a lot. Of a sense. lot of times, yeah. If a lot of times I'm if I'm playing with another guitar player. Mm. Unless there are some like very distinct parts that I need to hear from them. I don't have to have them in my mix necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I prefer it not to be in my mix just uh yeah. just cuz it can screw me up. Yeah. or whatever. Um so there's been times where I've been on bandstands with huge bands where I had like half of the band out of out of my mix <laughs> and just had drums and bass and maybe a little bit of vocal. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's kind of I like to keep it simple. I know a lot of people mm. uh, that do touring work and we all have in-ears mm. that you know need to hear a little bit of everything but i'm like the easiest i'm just like give me kick snare a little bit of bass <laughs> and a lot of me and that's fine <laughs> sometimes i don't even have the vocalists in my mix really yeah because i can hear well, a lot yeah. of times i can hear you know the main uh speakers uh, and that's enough for me you know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i was just about to ask like does do you kind of still are you still able to get into the mood and like feel of the whole band but i guess yeah there's a lot of stuff bleeding from outside anyway so yeah i think i i try to keep everything as simple as i can mm. just in case you know the more things you have there's more of a chance that th something's going to screw up yeah sure whether it's sure. your mix or whether it's the amount of gear you have mm. or amount of pedals you have so it's safer to use as little as possible mm. i think Okay, so you've set up and now you're getting nervous because this might be your first show ever or yeah. maybe your fifth show, but it's still like you're relatively new to this. How do you deal with being deal with being nervous? Like, um, So I still get nervous to this day, but <laughs> I get nervous up until the first note is played. And then once we start playing, I'm cool. Nice. <laughs> um, Unless something happens, like my gear goes down, and yeah. then, then I tighten up. I'm like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> But um, I don't know how I deal with nerves. I mean, I'm I don't advocate drinking or anything, but sometimes mm. having like a drink can mm -hmm. help calm you down a little bit. Um, but I just well, I guess just knowing that once I start playing, I'll be I'll be fine is just my that's my relief. Like I can yeah. expect that. Because that usually that's usually what happens all the time. It's like once we start playing, I'm fine and it's awesome. <laughs> um, so I just get a little bit of nervous nervousness, like you know, the hour before a show or something. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it's just as long as you're prepared and as long as you're confident with what you can do. Because that's mm -hmm. really all you have control over is, is sure. your parts, your gear. Um, then there's really nothing to be nervous about. If mm. someone else in the band ha is unprepared 
you know, yeah, it might make you look bad, but knowing mm-hmm. that you came prepared, you know your stuff, you know, that's that should give you the confidence for, you know, to get through the gig and mm-hmm. not, not be too nervous. Yeah. Yeah, th- th- this is a really personal question because for years I used to have, like, my neck would kind of cramp up and it would make my hands cold, which is not cool for a guitar player. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, you used to have have like bad headaches and everything just before we went playing and my hands were cold. So Oh wow. Yeah. Do you uh I sometimes I'll warm up, mm. make sure my fingers are loose. Sometimes, but a lot yeah. of times I'll just go up there cold <laughs> and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Like I guess yeah. it depends on people. I know some people can even get sick before, and then we just find once we start playing. But yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's extreme, you know, nerves. Yeah. It, but yeah, it really depends. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's probably happened to me. Mm. I'm sure before my first arena gig or whatever, I was extremely nervous. <laughs> Who would it be? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But it's fun. Yeah. So. It's, this is like a bonus question, but do you like the gigs you've been at, especially if you're doing like multiple shows, do you, re- you record the gigs, like take some sort of mix down from the mixing console or something to listen for feedback? I, person- I personally don't. Sometimes, mm. um, sometimes the people uh, or the musical director or like mm. production will record a feed from the board mm. just to have it. Sure. Um, which is great because sometimes, like I've been on gigs where I've had to sub it out, or or other band members had to sub it out. So mm. having the actual live performance and being able to send it to your substitute mm. for them to learn all the arrangements, because sometimes, a lot of times, the arra- the live arrangements are going to be different than sure. the album arrangements or mm. something. So it's always good for like touring bands to have recordings of of their shows just to yep. have on hand. But with like local stuff or, um, you know, like wedding band stuff or corporate stuff, I don't really record stuff. I used to, mm. when I was younger, back in the day, I used to have a mini disc mm. recorder, which I don't know if you youngins remember the mini discs, but they uh, were like I'm a digital. I'm to remember that though. So, yeah. <laughs> so for some reason I got talked into buying one and had like a mic. It's supposed yeah. to be great digital sound, whatever. Yeah. So I would take that to some of my cover band gigs just to have recordings of it. And it's cool. It's cool now that I have mm. those recordings because I can oh, yeah. tell the different the difference between how I play now and how I played then. <laughs> but uh yeah. I don't tr- I don't record my gigs now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have some recordings of like first times of me singing live. I think it was like a church thing. And oh yeah. boy, that that's a painful recording to listen yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times now, um, people will just record video. So like our drummer, or I've had f- drummer friends that set mm. up their GoPros. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, around them. So they'll, it's mostly drummers that record the, their performances, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but unless I'm like actually vlogging, mm. like doing a tour vlog, I'll yeah. set up a camera for that. Yeah. Um, and you know, um, doing Facebook live streams or YouTube live streams mm. from stage that's being popular now, now oh, that we have the ability with our yeah. smartphones and whatnot, we yeah. can 
we can do that. So it's more probably video recordings than audio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess that's what's happening nowadays much more often than just the audio recording. Yeah. Anything you want to add? Like, is there some part of preparing or like going through a gig that I didn't mention in my questions? Um, I can't think of anything offhand. Um, um, oh yeah, I mean, there's there's certain things like what happen. What if something happens with your oh, gear? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, if something happens on stage with your gear, um, and you kind of have to do live troubleshooting <laughs> in the middle of a song, yeah, and that's happened to me multiple times. Mm -hmm. It's 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 hard to uh, hard to deal with. Um, it kind of depends on the gig, but a lot of times, say you're playing a song and suddenly mm. you have no sound. Yeah. That's probably the worst thing you can that'll happen. Yeah. A lot of times it's something in your pedal board. So the quickest thing you can do is just bypass your pedal board and go straight into the amp. Mm. If you can. Like if obviously if if your amp is clean and you're playing a death metal gig and all your <laughs> all your distortion is coming from your pedals, yeah. that might be a little bit too hard. Yeah. Um but there's there was one situation I had in Australia at a country festival mm -hmm. where something was shorting in my pedal board and I basically, you know, the, the sound for that uh, gig was kind of slightly overdriven. Mm. So I unplugged uh, my cable and went directly to the amp, which was like a Vox AC30, mm -hmm. and I just dimed it. I just cranked it up. And it sounded great, but yeah. it wasn't my sound. But in a pinch, yeah. that worked. And the sound sound guy was probably horrified because it was super super loud. <laughs> That's all I could do. Um, yeah. And I basically played the rest of that gig like that. Yeah. So I didn't have any delays or or I didn't have a tuner. <laughs> it was awful. So um, yeah. what else? Um, but like I've I've had friends that have had had mess ups, and it's usually been something in the pedal board. Mm. Um. And, you know, in the middle of a show, you can't really check every single patch cable yeah. unless you get lucky and know exactly which one it is. Mm. But a lot of times, the only thing you can do is go straight to the amp. Mm. Um, and then I've had other issues where, like, the electronics in my guitar was shorting out. Oh. Which is probably there's really nothing you can do with that. Yeah. That's why it's then it's good to have a second guitar. Mm. Um, because of the electronics. Yeah. I'm so, um, let's see what else. <laughs> Can't think of any other horror, horror stories that I've had on the road. Um, yeah. Amps, yeah, amps have gone down. Like, I've blown fuses on amps before. Mm. Um, so that's another thing. Maybe, um, bring an extra pack of fuses for your amp. Mm-hmm. Um, at the very least, you don't have yeah. to bring like an extra set of tubes, but um, bring an extra pack of fuses. Mm. If your amp is notorious for blowing fuses, definitely. I had a a, a Marshall actually. See it yeah. behind there. The yeah. Marshall back there. I can't remember what was happening with it, but it kept on blowing fuses. Oh. Um, and then I finally took it to an amp repair guy, and he. He fixed it. It might have been like just a faulty transformer or something. Mm, yeah, but, yeah. Um, that's probably the most I would bring as far as mm. um, 
being prepared. Yeah. I'm guessing nowadays you could grab like I have a two notes cap M over there, which you could just put at the end of the pedal board and it, it yeah. fits in a game. That's bag. actually a great idea, just having something like that as a backup. Yeah. It it uh, sounds very decent and you can just go DI to the front of house yeah. from there, so Yeah. Also, um, you know, bring an extra pack of strings. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, because you know, if you're if you're on a gig where you have a break, mm. um, you can always change strings in the middle of the break if you mm. pop a string or something. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. That's like the the huh? gigging toolkit. <laughs> I mean, this is a lot of things that I wish I had known. Because this stuff that I I've basically learned from try from experience, mm. and you know, I've had to deal with yeah. With not doing those things and learning, like, oh, okay, I'm gonna bring this this time, so I don't yeah. get screwed. <laughs> and I'm I'm guessing it's also like usually when you play your first shows, you're like a teenager, like youngish, and especially for the guys who are in rock bands, I I, I don't think those guys, me included, are like really good at listening for instruction. Like we know what to do. We are the rock band. <laughs> I should. Oh man, I. There might be video online, but my very first, <laughs> my very first gig when I was like in sixth grade, oh, I think maybe seventh yeah. grade or something. I was playing with, I was playing at a school dance, and <laughs> I remember, like, I didn't know how to set up the PA system or the amps or whatever. Yeah. So I put everything with a speaker on the very front of the stage. <laughs> so my amp. And like the PA system, we didn't have monitors. Yeah. My amp and everything was right at the edge of the stage. That and so makes a lot I was of behind. <laughs> yeah, I was behind it. And I'm like, I just, I guess this is how you set up. But um, yeah, I learned from then. Yeah, now I want to find this video now. I, I'm sure I'll find it. I think it's it's one of my videos where it's like reacting to my old gigs. Oh, that's cool. I I have yeah. very few of those. I th I think I should have like a gig from when I was not at ninth grade. We played like Evanescence covers or something. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you should do that. I need to find it's those. That was fun. Those would be awesome. I think I need to ask around a few friends. Yeah. We can make. Yeah. But hey, it's out there. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm talking to this camera because we have a funky yeah. camera setup thanks for doing this really appreciate it guys check out RJ's channel amazing player cool guy thank you Vladimir for having me <laughs> thank you yeah links below in the description for his channel and if we find that video he's talking about do that video as well like share subscribe all of the YouTube things Catpick Studios t-shirts t-shirts multiple t-shirts and jam tracks Links to those in the description as well if you want to support what I do. And thanks for watching. I shall see you next time.